So first and foremost, just want to say it's an honor and pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I was thinking about some of the all-time greats, and we always see some of the Instagram success where people feel like it's microwavable. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about your beginning and how you started to this great journey? Well, first of all, I'm excited to be here, so thank you for having me. Um, I started playing ball when I was seven. Uh-huh. And, <clears throat> excuse me, like a lot of, probably like a lot of girls, my story is very similar. And I grew up playing with my brothers, um, my two older brothers, because I could never find enough girls that were interested in playing basketball. And then the one, honestly, the ones that I did find were just okay. Do you know what I mean? Like they weren't, yeah, like they weren't, they they weren't all about hooping. They weren't all about ball. And I was like, I knew it at a young age that basketball was was going to like change my life. I knew at a young age that that there was something special I had um, in me to to play basketball, and and that is like where my journey started at the age of seven. Was it like just the instant connection to the game of basketball because? Some people need to know and hear this story. Like, it wasn't just smooth sailing right out the gate. Did you have, like, some adversity you had to go through? Yeah, you know, I I grew up in a very small town, and my mom was so strict. It was myself, my two older brothers, and my mom. Um, Dad wasn't in the picture. So my mom was strict as far as allowing me space to do anything, even when I got in high school. Um, so the only way she would really let me leave the house is if I was going with my brothers to play basketball or going somewhere with her. Um, but yeah, there were times when, because I didn't have the money to afford to, to travel like the big, we called it back then, we called it little dribblers in West Texas. It wasn't AAU. Um, but we had a traveling squad and everything, but I didn't have the money to be able to travel with the team. So there were moments where my mom was like, you can't, like, no, you can't do this. It's going to cost too much and we can't afford it. Um, But even then, in her telling me no, that I couldn't do it, I always found a way um, to to, to play basketball. I didn't have to be in the gym. I would play outside. I didn't even have to have a hoop. I would dribble on... That's crazy. I I dribble on dirt. I dribbled on gravel. Um, I would shoot just at the roof, any anywhere, because that's how much I love the game. But there were there were a lot of, of challenges and a lot of obstacles and things that I had to overcome, which showed me that this was really my passion, and that was really um, I, I felt like at a young age that's really what what God kind of put me on this earth to do was to play basketball. It's crazy because you hear all the resources that exist today for mm-hmm. kids and individuals. So these kids have personal trainers. Uh, some kids go to the gym with the cones. And one, another uh, legend in the association, Tim Hardaway, he came on the show yesterday, and he was talking about growing up in the, on the south side of Chicago and walking up the street with dribbling yeah. basketball and using his imagination. Like you said, I didn't have a hoop. I didn't have certain things, but I just had that connection to the game. Can you go a little more in depth with that? You know, I, I couldn't imagine how how good I probably could have been had I had all those <laughs> with things. With all the others, yeah. You know, I, I look at the kids today, and I'm like, you're right. Trainers are at the age of, of 10, 11. <laughs> Parents are hiring trainers for their kids, um, which I think is crazy. But all everything they have... Um, all these apps on on the phone and social media, like anything they they want to be able to train and to to make themselves better, they have. Um, I didn't know what that was, but I I just I loved having 
a basketball in my hand. It was from the time I go to school and when I got home, it was do my homework and I was like, where's the ball, where's the ball? Um, there were times where I would get it and I didn't necessarily walk up and down the street because again, my mom was really, really strict. Um, but I would dribble like up and down my stairs just trying to dribble one, two, until until I could master it, like with my eyes closed. And it, it's crazy to me because I think a lot of the things, and you probably did it too, a lot of the ways that, that we trained or we worked on our game, I feel like really made me the player that I was because it was difficult. Like it was, it was harder to do some of those things that we did when you trained versus, I think they have it so easy today which I think is the reason why a lot of these kids are, are lazy when you talk about working hard because everything is like right there for them. And so there aren't really a lot of, of adversity or a lot of challenges they have when you talk about trying to find somewhere to train. Yeah. So when you talk about that, who was someone, like who was your carrot? Who was someone that you was looking at like, I can identify with this individual and that's my measuring stick that I want to be like someday? You know, Here's the crazy thing, like, like I'm that person today that I get frustrated when people compare female players to male players, mm -hmm. because I think there's so many great female players. And if we want to continue to grow our game, I think we have to start as women and as journalists, we have to start making those comparisons, saying so-and-so is like this female player versus a male player. But when I grew up, because I never had an opportunity to watch women play basketball, I had heard of the, the Ann Myers and the Nancy Liebermans and Lynette Woodards. I heard of Lynette because of the Harlem Globetrotters, right? But I never, I never watched women play basketball. Never seen them visually? No, no. Wow. I, I knew, I think I knew in my mind that, that there were women who played, but I never saw them. I saw Michael Jordan, right? That's who I watched. And that's who my mom watched. So my mom did not want me to play basketball when I was younger. No. No. Oh, no, 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 no. That was like, no, nice. basketball's for boys. And so even then I was like, huh? Like, who said that? So maybe that's why I never watched women, because my mom, my mom loved basketball, but not for me. So I grew up watching Michael Jordan, and I loved what he did on the court. But I think for me it was more about I saw this this man who I felt was invincible because he was, he was that good to me. And I would watch everything he did on the offensive end, on the defensive end, and I just watched the whole package. And I seriously said, someday, I want to be the female version of, of who Michael Jordan is, right? But that's at the age of seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, and today, when I hear people say that, it frustrates me because I feel like it takes away from, from the talent that we have as women, because I think there are women who are hella good out there and we should give them their props. No doubt. So when we was talking about the Mount Rushmore of, you know, just basketball mm -hmm. as a whole, and I, I remember we was down uh, celebrating the Martin Luther King mm -hmm. award ceremony together and we shared that platform. And I told you, I feel like you're on the Mount Rushmore of basketball. Damn. Yeah, not just No, women, like, you don't know what that did for me. Mm. Because you've, you know, you've been a trailblazer in this sport. So how do you feel when people recognize you as that individual? Karan, you're the first person to put me on Mount no, Rushmore. A lot of people have. <laughs> I'm telling you, behind closed doors, these conversations happen all the time. Um, they were like, she the GOAT. She the GOAT. 
You know, and some seriously, like there are times when it's it's really, and I'm trying not to get emotional because you know me, I'm very yeah, sensitive. Same here. <clears throat> but there there are times though, for me, it's 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 almost unbelievable to to see where I've come from, to everything I've been through, and to be where I am today. Um, God. So when when I hear that, and I, I hear people talk about that. I'm just like, but I'm just a little old me yeah. who came from a town of 10,000 people, um, West Texas. No one had ever heard of Brownfield, Texas. Like, where is that? Um, God, but it was, it, was, uh, it was important to me to be, to be that person that all these little girls from, not just my hometown, but wherever you're from, right? To say, if this is what you believe in and you fight and you work hard and even through trials and tribulations and obstacles, it doesn't matter where you come from. You can be whatever you want to be. You have to be determined to do that. Um, I, I just, I feel like I've just been very, very, very blessed to, to be able to be around some incredible people that have given me those opportunities. But also, I worked my butt off. That's how important it was to me. And I never, I was never okay with just being good. I wanted to be great. I wanted to be the best. So every year, even in high school, it was always about getting better, getting better, getting better. What can I do this year? What can I do this summer? Um, yeah, and I had friends who were partying and they were kicking in and they were going on summer vacations. And one, I wasn't interested in that. <clears throat> and two, I couldn't afford it. So I, I had to find something else that, that I loved. And I just loved basketball. It also was a way for me to, to, just, to just focus on me. I didn't have to have anybody else around. I didn't have to have anybody in the gym with me. As long as it was me and the basketball, I was in a great space. Yeah, that's crazy. And also, you, you talked about watching Michael Jordan and seeing an individual that was invincible <laughs> to partnering up and becoming the first female under his brand. Like, what was that like? Karan, you were like so really trying to make me cry. No, right that was now. crazy. Like, <laughs> I, like, you had the air swoops. Like, everybody was rocking those on the South Side Racing. What? Yeah, record. Um, I, I, I can't even sit here and tell you that that was something I dreamed of, right? Yeah. Like, that, that wasn't a goal of mine growing up. My, I didn't sit and write my goals and say, Thank you. I didn't sit and write my goals and say, okay, here, here are the things I'm going to achieve when I grow up. Have my own signature shoe was never on my list. Like, seriously, I, I wanted, my mom loved the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> so I wanted to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Oh, really? I was going to be, my ultimate goal was to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader or a flight attendant. Okay. Of all things. Like, that's, that's what, that's all I knew. That was a thing back in the day, Pan Am and all that. It was, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! And so it wasn't even—it wasn't even be a professional basketball player. That—that—that that, that wasn't a goal that I wrote down. And then as I got older and realized that I'm pretty good at this, that's when my mindset changed and said, "Like, let me let me see where this can take me." Right. So to to say when when I had my own when I got my own shoe from Nike was like just, even to this day, I can't find the, the words, right? I know that I grew up wearing 
ponies and Converse and Fila and LA gear. Everything. Right? <laughs> Everything but Nike. I could not afford Nike, didn't even know what it was, right? Um, so when Nike approached me in 96, 96, 97, um, about having, it was having a women's basketball shoe because there, there weren't any women's basketball shoes out there. Yeah. So we sat down, had a conversation, and they said, we just want to get your thoughts and input on a, a women's basketball shoe. Like, if there was a women's basketball shoe out there, what would you want it to look like? How would you want it to feel? Like, what's important to you? So we sat down, had a conversation about, this is what I like in a shoe. Never in my mind was I thinking, this is where we're headed. So they flew me out to Portland, Oregon, and we sat down and had this meeting. And now, mind you, I'm from a very small town, so me flying to Nike headquarters was huge. Yeah. I was just happy to be on the grounds of Nike headquarters. So we're sitting there having this conversation, and they said, okay, um, like, what, do you, what do you think we should call this women's basketball shoe? I was like, I mean, I don't know. I know it'll be Nike something, right? Nike Air something. <laughs> and I think even then, they're just like, she really, like, She's don't understand dumb, like moment. she's dumb. No, they know you're smart. They know you're smart. <laughs> no, I think they were thinking like, like she just doesn't get it, right? But I was still excited just to, to be engaged in this conversation. And so then they said to me, they said, okay, so here's what you like. Here's what you want it to look like. Here's the, col- the color waves that you like. Um, we're thinking about naming it after you. And so even, I was like, oh. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool, right? And they were like, no, like, like this will be your very own signature shoe, the Nike Air Swoops. I lost it. Like, I lost it. That is crazy. I bawled, I screamed, <laughs> I cried. And then they looked at me and they said, so you're okay with that? <laughs> my, my immediate mindset went from, oh, my God, this is incredible, to now little girls can, when they walk in the store, they can say, do you have the Air Swoops? They don't have to say, do you have the Air Jordan? And I love Michael Jordan, right? But the thought of these little girls, and and even even boys, but these little girls walking around with my shoe on. um, That you created. Man. And it wasn't until they they came and took me and got my foot and did a mold of my foot, right? To, To start building the shoe. And I was like, every single person that puts this shoe on, like they're like they're they're walking or they're playing in my footsteps. Yeah. So all of those things I started thinking about and I was like, like this is important to me. Like I I I I have paved the way for hopefully not only more opportunities like this, but bigger and better ones for all of these young girls who are coming behind me. True trailblazer. And also not just paving the way from the athletic standpoint with, you know, markability off mm-hmm. away from the game of basketball. But I look at you as a pioneer in this sense too. The first individual to sign with the WNBA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's another milestone that, you know, you got in the side yeah. pocket. And how was that moment? You know, I, I think I always think that that I, I believe every single one of us sort of right, like like we're here for a reason. Some of us figure out what that is at an early age, and some of us, it takes longer to figure that out. When I look at at my life and I look at my career and I think of all the firsts, right? First female player to have a signature shoe, 
first player to sign with the WNBA, first player to have a triple-double, first player to be pregnant in the WNBA, have a son come back, like all of those things. And I question it at first, and I'm like, like, why, why, like, why me? And somebody said to me, why not you? And so do I look at that and say there's a lot of pressure being the first? No, I look at it and say, like, it's, that's a privilege and an honor for me to be that person that, that has trailblazed and has, and has paved the way to be able to teach all of these young girls who are coming up behind me, Here, here's the way you do it the right way, and here's the way you do it the wrong way because it hasn't been easy, right? Like I've had struggles and, and I've had things I've had to overcome even in the, the middle of my season and, and at the height of my season. Like, and then when it's so public, right? Like, like I went through a divorce, I went through bankruptcy while I'm playing. And those are things that, that people might know, they might not know because it was important to me that they, regardless of what I was going through, the struggles I was going through, I wanted people to see this is this is who I am. I'm I'm real. We all have struggles, yes. but I didn't allow those things to stop me from being the best that I could be on the court. So yeah, that that's a great feeling of me feeling to me. I have a huge sense of pride, um, and also I'm very proud to to be able to sit here today and say this new CBA that the that the the women just got. I feel like I was part of that. Huge part. Right? Because we went through a lot. But the things we didn't know to ask for when the league first started, we just played. And now, you know, these young women can look at it and say, we, we, we want more money. We want better conditions. We need a child care stipend. We need mental health care. We needed those things, too. We just didn't know how to go about asking for them. Yeah. So I do. I, I have a great sense of pride when, when it comes to the WNBA. So in hindsight, looking at it going forward, what do you want to see happen with the WNBA as a brand, as a whole? Um, man, there's a lot. Like, the CBA, I think, is great. It's amazing. But I, I don't want people to get satisfied and say, all right, we did it, because there's still so much more work to do. Personally, there is so much talent out there. I would, one, love to see the WNBA have more teams. So then that there's more jobs for more players. And the salaries there, but for, for some players, they just, they want to go overseas anyway. And so I think that should be a choice. You shouldn't have to do it to compensate for lack of what we're making here. The other thing, personally, that I would love to see is the WNBA bring back more former players and have former players involved in some capacity, whether that's coaching um, with an individual team, whether that's working in the front office. And the reason why I say that, for me, it's important because I, I think there's a huge fan base in the WNBA that goes all the way back to 97 that had a relationship with, with myself and all the former players. And they're still there. And I think it's important to continue to, to build that, that relationship and build that gap and bring some of those fans back. But I also think it's important to have former players be there for the current players to talk to them about, here's where we were in 97 and here are some of the things that happened, but also just help them grow and learn and understand what it means to be a professional athlete and what it means to be a retired professional athlete. Because I don't think a lot of these current players truly understand how quickly that retirement is going to come. Like and you need to be prepared for it. So ultimately with your legacy, you talk about retirement, 
what do you want to be remembered as and for most? Dang. Um, like, like I think I think people talk about what I what I did on the basketball court, right? Like who I was as a basketball player. And and I'm gonna say this very quickly because I don't want to cry anymore. When <laughs> when when unfortunately when, when Kobe Bryant passed, um, I felt like and Dwayne Wade said this in his interview that the world stopped for a day, right? Because I felt like Kobe had such a huge impact on the world, not just people here in the States and not just the sports world. And I wanna, if I can, can touch and affect just half of the people he did, then I feel like I have done what I was supposed to do. So I don't want people to just remember me as a basketball player. I want people to say when they're talking about me and say, not only was she a good basketball player, but I was a good person. Like I cared about leaving something great for people coming behind me and, and just being a great person in the community because that, that's very important to me, being able to give back to my community and help teach um, our younger generation because I think that's very important. And last one for me, just with All-Star Weekend being here in Chicago, what are you looking forward to seeing? Ah, uh, my bed. Your bed? <laughs> you were running around no, crazy. You know, here's here's what I love. Twenty years ago, I would have said, "Man, I'm, I got to go to every dear, single party, dear, dear, right? Dear. Every single party." Now, I, I honestly look forward to just reconnecting with people, networking, um, and and seeing all the legends. Like it's an, an for me, it's an amazing opportunity to just see so much greatness in one place and just having an opportunity to sit down, talk to people, even if it's just for 30 minutes um, and just kind of reconnect and see what, what everybody's doing yeah. and hang out with my cousin. Yeah, it was a pleasure and honor to have you on my show. Thank you. And look, it's a family affair, as you heard. It's my cousin right here. So we represent, uh, tune in and uh, appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you for having right. me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you.